And now, The Travel Show with Arthur and Pauline Fromer. Your chance to talk to the publishers of the nation's best-selling travel guide series. Whether your travel destination is around your corner or any corner of the world, the Fromers will help you get the most out of your travel experience and save you money at the same time. And now, Arthur and Pauline Fromer. And this is the Travel Show in which we talk about vacations. Welcome. I'm Arthur Fromer. And I'm Pauline Fromer. And in the time ahead, we're going to be discussing travel. And sometimes we find our guests from our listeners. So if you want to be a guest on the show, email FromerTravelShow at Yahoo.com. But even if you don't want to be a guest, we hope that you'll make your visit with us not just be a radio one. We have amazing guidebooks which are on sale wherever books are sold. We have a fabulous website called Fromer. Com. That's a lot of fun to read. Beautiful photos on it from places around the world. You'll learn about culture, museums, art, cuisine, so much, whether or not you're traveling. It's so much fun to come to Fromers.com. And follow us on social media. We are on every channel of social media. Just look for the word Fromers on Instagram, on Pinterest, on Travel uh, trip. Oh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Facebook or on Pinterest. Now, Instagram. Pa- Pauline, <laughs> there have been so many recent distractions from uh, travel, yes. medical di- uh, distractions yes. that we tend to, re- to forget the rewards of travel. We tend to forget what a wonderful thing it is to be able to yes. travel. And what I would like to do is enlist you in naming some of your most memorable events in travel. And I, sure. will, I will do the same. Probably the top moment in my travel life, or one of the top moments, was spending an overnight in a mountain hut of hill tribes of northern Thailand. Wow. Uh, from Bangkok, we flew to Chiang Mai. We took a train from Chiang Mai to Chiang Rai, and there we met a group of people who put us on top of an elephant. We actually sat on the head of an elephant and went several miles to the basis of a of a mountain, and we went up the mountain to the top where we stayed well, overnight. Wait, wait, but don't, don't rush this part. You had to climb that mountain, and your wife, Roberta, Halfway up, she, she said. She, she said, but she could continue. She was absolutely exhausted. She said she I, was too. I said, too, Roberta, what is the alternative? Right, she was too tired to continue. And you said, what's the alternative? We're sixty miles away from from civilization. In any event, we were put up in the home of a hill tribe that is living today exactly as people used to live during the Stone Age, without electricity. And this was a good twenty-five years ago. So oh, yeah, this was, a was long not. Time ago, this was before this is still it was being a, done. I'm it's, getting letters I hear from it's people. a. Very very touristy activity now, that it, it's not quite as it's authentic. Activity. At any rate, it was one of the top moments in my own travel well, what was life. Like, How what, about you, What was Polly? the village like, Dad, The up village there? was a very uh, plain village of huts on stilts. Uh, it was fascinating to see how people thrived right. in such an environment, and they did. They enjoyed the life that they were leaving, uh-huh. and they regarded it as important, and that, and we have never forgotten the lessons of staying with a hill tribe of northern Thailand. Pauline, what was one of your oh, top moments gosh. in travel? might have been the time my family and I went to Belize, and we just we signed up for a tour uh, called the ATM tour, but it had nothing to do with cash machines. 
ATM standard for stood for three Mayan words. The first one was Aktun, A C T U N, and I, I, I the other two were unpronounceable. ATM, and we we got on a little twelve person van and drove to what looked like the edge of a forest. And then we had to hike for an hour through the forest at certain points, fording small streams. And it was a, a, a genuine hike. And then we came to this amazing cave where they had us. We changed into bathing suits and swam into the cave. And they had told us to bring swimming type shoes because we then had to climb all over the cave. We finally came to this massive cathedral-like room where they had us take off those shoes because they didn't want us to break the precious items that were calcified to the floor. You see, in this cathedral-like room, which had been used as a cathedral, as a religious place by the ancient Mayans several centuries ago, calcified to the floor were these gorgeous pots from that era and bones from human sacrifices. Uh, and they didn't want us to accidentally step on one of them and break them because these were items that normally would have been in a museum but couldn't be moved because they were calcified to the floor. And there was at one point, they, the, the uh, guy said, do you want to go into the special room over there? It's a bit of a tight squeeze. And I said, sure. And I was with my two daughters and they slipped through a hole in the wall that looked to me to be maybe five inches wide and <laughs> maybe a foot or two or five inches wide and a foot or two long. And I was finally, it took me about 10 minutes and I finally was able to wedge my body through uh, where we came to this room where the so-called princess of the ATM cave was. It was the body of what they have discovered was a, a, a ritual sacrifice, but it was very much an intact, full skeleton, again, calcified to the floor. They know from the look of the bones that it was probably a young girl, probably around 12 or 13. What a memorable experience, something that you will never forget. Pauline, I have a much more prosaic activity that occurred (laughs) to me, which occurred to me simply because I came to New York City from a little town in the middle of Missouri, from the city of Jefferson City, and I will never forget arriving in this big city that everyone else took for granted. And I went to the Metropolitan Opera where I bought standing room. And then after the opera, I went to a to a nearby little restaurant where I had a dish of clams, which, of course, you <laughs> never got in Jefferson City. That right. was one of the great memorable moments that travel brought to me. Yeah. Okay. You, uh, let me figure out. Next. Let me think of another one. Um <sighs> I well, guess uh, if the you recent- can't think of another no, one, let me one. let me then yeah. add one one, f- one further one. I recently uh, took a trip to the island of Bonaire in the Netherlands Antilles mm-hmm. in the Caribbean, and somebody upon arriving said to me, "Well, you'll want to go scuba diving since Bonaire is well known and something yes. I'd never considered doing." And he gave me a short resort course, and before I knew it, I was hanging upside down, sixty feet below the surface of. 
of the waters. Wow. I will never forget the beauty of what I saw, and I understood why so many people all over the world engage in scuba diving. But didn't that, you have me, a scary? Was one of the most, it was one of the most memorable moments of my travel but life. But I remember this. I was there in Bonaire with you when you did this. Yeah, of course. And I you would... came up and you said that something had gone wrong with your regulator. Don't you remember this? And you heard this noise. You started hearing, da dum Da-dum, like the like the soundtrack of Jaws, Pauline, and you I thought have, maybe that's how they got all the ill moments of that moment. That <laughs> remains one of my glorious moments. Yes, okay. I'm sorry, what, I didn't mean to undercut the, it. What was one of your well? Top this is I guess this could be considered a prosaic moment. I was in uh, Cartagena, Colombia, last spring. And uh, I was there with my daughter and a friend of my daughter's, and I signed up for a salsa dancing class in the evening. And neither girl wanted to come with me, so I sent them off for dinner. And I went to this salsa class, which started out in this kind of little cafe where we learned how to salsa dance. Um, and I was okay at it. And then we went to another club where there was a live band. And then we went to another club where there were these hundreds of people dancing and people started asking me to dance. And I ended up staying out until three in the morning, just <laughs> dancing all night. And I thought to myself as I was doing it, this is something I'll remember until I die. Well, Going out and listening to this glorious music and meeting people and just dancing and dancing. A memorable moment in travel that should never be forgotten. And I'm going to name another prosaic okay. uh, destination that everybody will, will have had in their own lives. One of my most memorable moments in travel was my very first visit to New Orleans. Mm. And I remember that I went to the great restaurant called Galatoire, where I had a, a meal to, to remember for the rest of my life. And the next morning, I went to breakfast at Brennan's <laughs> also. <laughs> and, and, and this is what travel brings to you. Travel enables you to see this remarkable city yeah. of New Orleans. Quickly, Paul, well, name another. All right, I'll, I'll give a weird experience in New Orleans. Many years ago, we were doing a promotion for the Fromer guy and I was in the middle of Jackson Square signing books and suddenly a man with a big chef's hat and an angry look on his face with a tray of food in front of him cut into the line and said, try this food. And I said, why Why do you want me to try this food? And he said, your book gave my restaurant a bad review. And I want you to try this food now so you can change the review. And I, I said to him, our author, a wonderful writer named Diane Schwamm, I trust her. And if she gave you a bad review, I'm not going to change it. She is the expert. And I, I don't know how you, you obviously spent a lot of time on this tray. She went in anonymously. You wouldn't have known she was there. But she didn't feel like yours, your restaurant is a, as good as it would be or as it used to be. And he yelled at me a little more and he finally... He finally walked away. <laughs> All of these are memorable moments in travel that we should never forget. Yes. During a time when there are so many distractions, medical distractions, let us keep in mind that travel brings to us some of the most memorable moments of our life. Absolutely. And so let's hope it returns strong. Uh, we have to take a break. We will be right back.
You're listening to The Travel Show, and one of our favorite topics here is train travel. To help us discuss that, we have Will Hawks, who is a travel writer out of Europe, and he has a wonderful new article in the Washington Post called The 10 Best Slow Trains Through Europe. Welcome to The Travel Show, Will. I'm delighted to be here. So you you have the most adorable opening to this uh, article. You talked to your kids about what they were most looking forward to on an upcoming trip. And, And what was their response? Well, I was very surprised by their response because um, we were going holiday to the south of France, to the Mediterranean. You know, we'd be going to to the to the seaside to swim. They'd be swimming in the pool. They'd be eating all their favourite food, uh, including ice cream. But mm. the thing they were most looking forward to was an overnight train from from Paris down to to the south coast. Um, because for them, it was excitement. I mean, uh, they're quite little. I don't know if they really understand the idea of how romantic it is. But they absolutely loved it. So that was that was a, that was a big shock for me. And that was what they remembered after the trip was that after uh, overnight journey in bunks. Exactly. On the train. Yeah. So so we we've done it twice now. We did it last year and the year before, and we're going to do it this year again. And it, 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 the beauty of it is you you swap out uh, the experience of getting on a plane, the stress of being at an airport. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and in its place, you have something that takes longer but which it's almost like extending the holiday and adding an extra special element to the holiday. Yeah, absolutely. And what I loved about this article is it talks about the best train journeys, not necessarily the fastest or the most convenient, Mm. but the ones that will really give you a beautiful experience, like the train from Bilbao to San Sebastian in Spain. Uh, Why do you like this one so much? I mean, the the first reason I like it is because it, it's com- it, it's completely it's completely insane. You, you've you've got you've got the two biggest cities in 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 the Basque Country, or two of the three biggest cities, and you think, well, there's going to be a, there's there's sure to be a quick rail route between these cities, but actually there isn't. It's like a three hour ride through the Basque Mountains down by the coast, and and anyone who's been to the Basque Country will know. It is an unbelievably beautiful place. You know, there are there there are, there are a number of good reasons to go to the Basque Country. Wonderful food, uh, lovely people, but the countryside, the lush green hills and mountains. You know, the 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 the, the, the Atlantic coast. It's a very special place. You also talk about another special place, uh, which is the Czech Republic, and this is an especially cheap rail journey. My my eyes bulged out of my head that this one uh, between Chesky. Oh, I'm going to murder the the pronunciation here. Budejovis, is that right? And Chesky Krumlov. That yeah, that, I think that's 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 about as good as I would do. <laughs> All right, it's a dollar seventy five one way. It's not a long journey, but what makes this one special? Uh, and I think the thing about this one is it's quite an odd little journey. Um, if you want to take it, if you're coming from Prague, you have to change and get on it. It it, it doesn't seem to to, 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 to fit into the, the modern world where everything must have a purpose, everything is monetized, that sort of thing. You know, and, and you jump on, it's just ordinary local people. The countryside in, in, in the south of, of the Czech Republic is is kind of rolling green hills, beautiful farmsteads, and, and the two cities themselves are, are such beautiful places. Um, you know, and, and as you mentioned, the, the prices of, of, of train travel in, in, the, in the Czech Republic is... Is fantastic, and you can really get 
virtually anywhere in that country by train. Well, I think they also reflect the prices once you get out of Prague. Once you get mm, out of Prague, mm. the Czech Republic is wonderfully untouristy and inexpensive and lightly visited. Absolutely, yeah, and I think it's got so much to offer. I mean, I write a lot about beer, so inevitably I'm a huge fan of, of the Czech Republic because there's nowhere else in the world where you can go and find such a good uh, basic standard of beer. But there's so much to see too. Uh, you know, the, the the towns and cities uh, have great architecture. The people, maybe not the friendliest in the world, but they're very straightforward, down to earth. Uh, the countryside for a small country is varied. In the north, it's very mountainous. Elsewhere, less so. So I, I think it's a, I would recommend it to anyone. We are speaking with Will Hawks, who is the author of a terrific article on the Washington Post. It's called The 10 Best Slow Trains Through Europe. And one of the trains goes to an island <laughs> in Sweden. I, I never think of train travel in Sweden. I don't know why, but uh, tell a little bit about that itinerary. Yeah, well, that's a... Um it's it's uh it first came to my attention there was a program uh that was shown on on tv here in in britain but it was a a, a swedish danish production called the bridge and it was all about this amazing bridge between uh, copenhagen and malmo which is a city in the in the south of sweden which was uh, constructed i'd say about i think it's about 20 years ago and it's just a fabulous trip across the bridge i've done it a few times mm. um in, in, in the summertime, it's you know, your boats skipping across the water. In the wintertime, it's sort of deep, slate-gray depths of the water. And uh, it's one of the most um, exciting and interesting uh, uh, rail train um, bridge journeys that I've done. And, uh, and, 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 and you know, it's, 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 it's a very special, special journey. Yeah, it sounds very scenic. Now, the next one is one that I think is famous and that, that many people think is perhaps one of the best train journeys in the world. I'm talking about the Glacier Express uh, from Switzerland. Am I am I being too hyperbolic on, on this one? No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, I don't think you can really be too hyperbolic about the uh, the landscape that you see on that trip, uh, the experience. I mean, uh, the, the, the thing about this trip, as opposed to a lot of the other ones in, in the in the in the article, is that it is uh, a tourist train. You, you, you can get you know ordinary commuter trains but sure. the, the, the swiss are well aware of the value of this trip of the landscapes that you're going to see they've got great food on board you've got beautiful big seats huge windows i mean i i think it, it, it's it's a lot pricier than the other options on the on the list right. but it's something that if, if you if you're in that part of the world you can't miss it well and it is i think it's fair to say you're going up into the alps on these tracks that were built a long time ago and they are not next to roads for many of the vistas you're seeing you're either going to have to hike or take the train you, you cannot see them other ways is that fair to say yeah, I think that's true. It's certainly true. It, it's a unique experience. Um, it, it's not something you're going to get, as you say, uh, uh, sitting in a car. I mean, I think that's the beauty about about trains anyway, because you you don't have to concentrate on the road. Um, yeah. You can really appreciate uh, the landscape. You can appreciate the culture of the country you're right. in. Absolutely. You can notice well, we lovely have little been, things thank you. We have happening been, around you. Yeah, right. We've been speaking with Will Hawks, who is the author of a wonderful article on the Washington Post. Thank you so much, Will. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
You're listening to The Travel Show, and we have one of our favorite guests back. She is Elaine Glusak. She is the official frugal traveler for The New York Times. First of all, congratulations on that, Elaine. Oh, thank you so much. It's one of my favorite columns, I got to say, and you you follow in some really legendary travel writers' footsteps. Uh, some, Some of the best travel writers in the business have been the frugal traveler. So many congratulations. Thank you so much. And you did a very, very helpful recent column for that column called Join the Club, Save Some Money. What club are you talking about? So this story looked at the kinds of um, organizations that you can join, organizations and retail clubs. So um, there's, uh, we sort of put them together as sort of like affiliation. So there's retail clubs like Costco, where you're um, a wholesale retail member, Mm -hmm. um, Costco BJ's, et cetera, you know, Sam Club. And then there's also the AAAs of the world, the AARP, the American Association of Retired People, um, and other affiliations that might... Um, that you might be able to join if you were, say, in the military or a teacher, for example, um, associations. And together, these sort of associations and groups have this buying power that, for example, if you work for a Fortune 500 company and you're booking a rental car through that company, you might get the corporate discount, which Mm. is really great. Right. So this gives people that are not, you know, working for those giant companies access to similar discounts. And is there one membership that yields the best discounts? Is is there a winner among all these different potential clubs you could join? Well, I have to say, in my research, the most impressive was Costco Travel. Hmm. So uh, Costco Travel is a is the travel division of Costco Wholesale, which everyone knows for their giant, you know, cans of, of Kirkland tuna and, and giant, <laughs> you know, right. packs of toilet paper. Um, but they have this travel arm, and this travel arm offers, I have to say, some really quite intriguing deals. Um, and when I vetted that through readers, they were I, I found people that were pretty excited. Um, lots of people extolled their uh, discounts on rental cars. In fact, that's how I first came across this story. I was flying next to a woman who was just um, ecstatic about the wonderful rental car upgrade that she had gotten um, mm. through Costco travel. Um, but then I talked to a a woman who booked her honeymoon through Costco travel. And wow. she, it was a fantastic trip. It's, she said it was a fantastic trip. It was eight days in Rome and Florence. And, and she had a lot of inclusions like um, flights, uh, hotels, breakfast, you know, private cars getting you from the airports, a mm. couple of tours. And it all came in for the two of them at $3,800. Not which, bad. Yeah. I know that sounds like a lot, but actually eight days in, in Italy, including flights, that's a really good deal. Well, yes, yes, absolutely. For back then, definitely. Right. Now, um, when you're looking at these clubs, say you have in mind a very cute boutique hotel that's not a member of any chain, how likely is it that you will be able to get deep discounts on a very unique property like that through a club? Or do they work better for chains and for certain types of travel? Yeah, that's a really excellent question and a good point to make, uh, Pauline. The um the, the discounts really come through um, the buyer's relationships with these larger companies. So, you know, the Hilton's, the Hyatt's, the Marriott's, things like that. So that really cute independent um, boutique hotel, you're probably not going to get the AAA discount. Mm. Um, but you can't, you know, but if you're on the road and you need a Hilton Garden Inn and Suites, um, then it's a great alternative for something like that. 
Right. We're speaking with Elaine Glusak, who's the frugal traveler for The New York Times. She has a great article up called Join the Club, Save Some Money, Safari Deals at Costco, Discount Lift Tickets at Sam Clubs. Add AARP and AAA into the mix for of memberships that offer savings on travel. So let's talk about those organizations, AARP and AAA. When I've I've spent a lot of time writing guidebooks, and I sometimes look at the discounts and find that they're not as deep as discounts found through other sources, particularly AAA, not AAA, AARP. Um, yeah. Did you compare them with other ways of getting discounts, or did you just look at, at how they were off the published rates? No, I think you're right. Um, I, I think it's it's just it's one avenue. It's... It, I think it's sort of something to look at when you're doing your research. I did not find them to be rock bottom. Hmm. Um, you know, and, and for example, if you're ever, you know, Googling and looking for rates, a lot of times the AA, you know, AAA rates will come up and they're like 10% less. But you can probably get that same deal if you just joined the loyalty club. Right. Um, or, you know, signed up for email promotions, things like that. It's not, um, yeah, it's definitely not the only way. But I, I think it's a good one to consider in the mix. And it depends on, you know, how much your membership is. If you're, if you're you know, joining AAA for the roadside assistance, um, then it's nice to know that you'll get this perk, you know, should you need it. Right. And are there any types of travel that you find these clubs do particularly well on, like cruising perhaps? Yeah, cruises are good. Cruises are a big category for them. Um, I think both the retail clubs and like the AAAs and the AARPs. I actually really liked um, some of the things that I didn't expect. I thought the rental car rates were really good, you know, better than you could get if you went to like a rental car site yourself. Mm. Um, I thought lift tickets, you know, if you're a skier, I thought the lift ticket deals were surprising, you know, where you're getting like 50 bucks off. um, Right. Wow. Lift tickets can be really expensive. That's a lot. Um, and then, you know, like I think it was um, one of the retail clubs had, um, you know, there's that famous sunrise biking trip to the top of Mount Haleakala on um, Maui. Mm-hmm. And the, the the company that runs it was, you know, sells it for like 180. And this, um, and they had it, you know, at this discount club for like 130, which, mm, you know. That's significant. Nice yeah. Yeah. And you did find that. The cost of membership, because none of these clubs are free, the cost of membership is almost always amortized by the discounts you're going to get. That's right. That's right. Um, So, like, if you're joining Costco and it's $60, um, you could save that pretty quickly on travel, Mm -hmm. um, you know, depending on on what you're booking. Right. Um, Other things are really cheap, like AARP is $12, and you have to be... 50 and up um, to join So that. lots of good discounts. Um, well, thank you. We've been speaking with Elaine Glusak, who is the frugal traveler for the New York Times. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm Pauline Fromer here with my dad, Arthur Fromer. And on the line, we have Jennifer Barger, who wrote a very interesting article recently called How Couples Can Settle on Vacation Destinations Without Fighting About It. Uh, 
Thank you, Jennifer, for appearing on the Travel Show once again and also for writing this article for the Washington Post. Is this something you have experienced? Oh, definitely. This was this was inspired by life because my husband and I actually we had never been to a counselor before, like a marriage counselor, and we went a couple of years ago because we, we were having such a big fight about where to go on our next trip. Wow. So, um, Did she yeah. say that this was a common thing to happen, that, that couples fight about travel plans? I think that it can be. Um, a different uh, therapist uh, that I talked to for the article also said that this is very common because people people choose their mates or choose their spouses in this kind of honeymoon phase sure. where they think they have everything in common. Um, and you come to find out once you've been together for a while, like my husband and I have been, that you do have different interests or you have different ideas of what makes a good trip. Right. Well, he, he you said, well, what are the differences between you two as travelers? Well, so I, especially since I'm in the travel industry, sure. I, I am much, I'm much more adventurous, I would mm. say. I want to go to Laos and go, you know, rafting, or I think seeing the gorillas in Rwanda would be great. And my husband is a little more, he likes to see every obscure city in Europe. Mm. He really likes national parks. Right. So, so we do have some differences. Yeah, absolutely. So you got you give some advice in this article. The first thing is take turns. So everybody gets to choose a different destination for each vacation, or how does that work? I mean, I think that can work in a variety of ways because it could just be that you and your spouse have different interests about what to do. Say, my husband loves birding, uh, and I don't, but say one day we go to a park and go birding, the next day we go to crafts markets, which is something that I enjoy. So, And the same could be said for vacations. You really are always stuck, but right. you're kind of willing to go where your spouse wants to go, then then you can um, you know, do a Harry Potter sorting hat, if you will. <laughs> right, and do maybe one, his choice in spring, your choice in fall. Uh, you also yeah. say go it alone, which isn't saying get divorced, right? No, not at all. And I think this is what um, this is what kind of has worked for us is is we go on most of our trips together. But I go, I I have gone on several alone or with girlfriends because that way you really can do what you want to do, um, and it doesn't end up in a fight. He didn't want to go to Morocco. I've been to Morocco twice: once on a yoga retreat and once on yeah. just a girls' trip. Tell and him he's crazy. Morocco is fabulous. I know. I think he's crazy too. But um, but yeah. So we've been able to broker it a little bit that mm-hmm. way. And you also yeah. say you could travel together but apart. How, how does that work? Well, and this was interesting because I talked to a couple who were in the D.C. suburbs down here who they go on a lot of cruises and what happens is one of them is super active and the other one is a little bit more, um, not a couch potato, but he just wants to relax. And so his husband will book a bike, you know, a bike trip um, and he'll stay on the, he'll stay on the cruise ship and read a book. Hmm. And I mean, and, and then they come together at the end of the day and they talk about their experiences, even if the one is just like, this chapter was great. Uh, so. Right. 
And you also talk about the fact that sometimes couples are not just couples. They'll, they'll be families. And so a lot of the decisions sometimes get gets up to the children. What's going to keep the kids happy? Yeah, I mean, I think and that does seem like a little bit more of a recent phenomenon because I remember when I was growing up that my parents were like, we're going to we're going to Europe or we're going to Yellowstone and we just kind of had to figure out where we were going to have our fun in there. But I think it's much more common now. There's a lot of a lot of Disney parks and things that kids or Harry Harry Potter things um that I feel like power a lot of kids travel. Yeah. And that's not always bad, but I think... But it can't um, be every vacation. Then, then Yeah, just, it can't be yeah. every vacation. So. And then you end it with some psychoanalytic advice. Talk it out. What does that mean? You, you say that you had a Thailand or bust campaign going in, on in your marriage, and that didn't really work too well. It did not work. Um, but... Um, and I think the therapist helped us through that a bit and said, well, what, you know, what is it if he completely doesn't want to go to Thailand? What are you trying to do? And maybe, you know, we maybe zeroed in on maybe I was being a little bit too controlling. Um, I think, and I ended up going with a friend. So that's that's how we worked that out. Um, right. But I, I think... He, I think he's coming around. He did. He did recently. <laughs> after this article came out, he said, "I'd really like to go to South Africa and see penguins." Well, good. So, so this had some effect. Well, it's been delightful talking to you once again. We've been spe- speaking with Jennifer Barger. She has an article in the Washington Post called "How Couples Can Settle on Vacation Destinations Without Fighting About It." Thank you so much, Jennifer. Great. Thanks, Pauline. <laughs> Welcome back to The Travel Show. I'm Pauline Fromer here with my dad, Arthur. And we started this hour with memorable moments in travel. Dad, you probably have enough time to give one more. One more or is, two the, more. is the so-called Afslautdijk. That's very difficult to pronounce, but it's found in Holland. It is a wall in the middle of the North Sea that the Dutch built uh-huh. many, many years ago, which protected the city of Amsterdam more recently from being inundated by water. I, I went there. I went at, also for other memorable moments to Copenhagen, visiting mm. the Tivoli Gardens, uh, to Stockholm, visiting the Vasa warship, to uh, so many, to the home of Anne Frank in, in Amsterdam. Uh, yeah. I could go on and on and on naming memorable moments in travel that we should never lose sight of during days when many of us are desisting from travel. You know, I was talking with somebody about Holland. He's a structural engineer, and he went there to learn about how their dams were built in a time of rising waters because of climate change. And he said the most beautiful thing. He said because the Dutch had to work together to fight off the waters because this is a land where 60% of it is below ocean level. Right. They created democracy so that they could work to or recreated it because obviously it was created by the Greeks many centuries ago but they 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 realized that to do this 
they had to gather together as a people, marshal their resources, work together to create a land where there shouldn't have been land, which was really too low for there to be land because of the constant flooding. And that together they were able to create this new system of government. What a lesson they learned. And you feel that in Amsterdam. It's a very enlightened place. Pauline, there's another memorable moment of travel where you accompanied me to visit my grandfather's grave site yes. in Lumza, Poland. We went mm-hmm. first to the city of Bialystok. We went then to Lumza. We had a photograph that had been taken in World War One of yeah. my father's grave site. And sure enough, we discovered it. And it was one of the great emotional most moments of my life which certainly can, justifies the activity of travel. Well, we yeah. must never give up the ability to travel. No, it was it was such a moving trip to Poland because from my grandmother, I had only heard about the negatives of Poland because they had obviously lived through pogroms there, which was, uh, you know, it was a hard, hard time. But it's a beautiful country now, fascinating history. And you didn't tell the full story. After we found the grave site, my then seven-year-old daughter Beatrix was with us. And you gave a gorgeous speech where you told your grandfather that his grandchildren were alive and well and living in the United States, that everybody had thrived, everybody had made it out of Poland. A gorgeous speech to which my eight, seven-year-old daughter then said, but Grandpa, he wouldn't have spoke English. He didn't understand a word you just said. Do you remember that? I remember it so well. <laughs> it was one of the memorable moments of my life. Yes, and so we love travel. And we hope it's an activity that will continue to thrive. I'm looking at the clock. We have to say goodbye for this hour. But if you're about to hit the road, may we wish you a A very hearty, hearty bon voyage. 